Hello people, you're listening to Stories by Sneha. I am Sneha Azrekar, your host and the writer of this series. Our story today is Her Maternal Uncle's Home by Vibhuti Bhandarkar. Mamar Bari Bhari Mocha, I exclaim. In Bangla, it means the maternal uncle's home is a fun place. I have just polished off a sumptuous meal, a plateful of unending number of delicacies. So instead of saying thank you, I say mamar bari, bari mocha. I have noticed it makes my uncle and aunt very happy, like I have conferred some award upon them. Food is definitely one of the many things I love at my maternal uncle's home. Even more than the cooking done at my own home in Kolkata. It's an unwritten rule that I should nap in the afternoons with Didima, my maternal grandmother, in her bedroom. There's an old vermilion-coloured, cloth-bound family photo album kept safely ensconced between her vintage dhaka silk saris in the top shelf of the wooden almira. I remember it and bring it out to revisit some old memories. I climb with it into the massive four-poster bed where Didima is lazing. The creaky old ceiling fan above our heads is only churning up the humid howdah air trapped in the room. The big rectangular album has jet black sheets of card paper with four monochromatic photographs pasted on each page in two neat rows. A thin sheet of butter paper, a divider of sorts between pages, grants a blurred glimpse of the next series of photographs. Although there are numerous group photographs where Didima features without fail, only two photographs from her childhood are included at the end of the album. Both the prints are surprisingly in Eastman colours. One is a portrait of Didima taken on her sixth birthday, she says. But the other, I have noticed, she clearly hates discussing and even avoids looking at it. In that photograph, Didima is staring fixedly into the camera with big almond-shaped kajal-lined eyes. Didima's sharp features and milky smooth skin give her persona her beautiful, marble, statuesque quality. Adding to the effect is the frozen expression on her face. She's seated gracefully on a stool flanked by a boy who is standing awkwardly, tall and lanky wearing an oversized red shirt. I make yet another attempt at getting Didima to tell me more about the boy. Didima, there is something really enduring about you in this picture. Look though. Of course it's an enduring picture. All dressed up in that English blue satin dress. I'm a pretty teenager there, just like you. What's not to like about it? Her voice has turned icy now. She snaps the album shut and pushes it away. That boy standing beside you has spoilt the picture completely. What's with the drooping shoulders and sullen look? I am blunt. We are living in his house. Girl, don't you dare. Didima's voice is shrill. His house? Who is that boy? You have never told me anything about him. I get straight to the point. But she's closed her eyes and receded into her own world of thoughts, working her wrist vigorously with the hard a bamboo hand fan. 
like how the old tap at the sink unwinds itself automatically and the water slowly begins to trickle again she begins to tell me a few days after this photograph was taken he died my brother i have always known that i am didi ma's favorite granddaughter we are thick as thieves and infamous for pulling practical jokes on family members so i wonder why she has never told me this before that the boy in the photograph was my namesake i try to assimilate this new found information onamitro 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 i repeat my name in varying tones aloud shh don't call him like that didi matro sidelong glances around the room call him didi ma what's all this if you hate him so much that you don't look at his picture or talk about him then why call me by his name when did i say i hate him didi ma is visibly disturbed by my comment and i don't call you by his name nobody in this house calls you by his name we all call you onu don't we when you were born i named you after him lest i should forget him but you are only called by that name at your school didi ma gives me a wan smile and resigns to fluffing up her pillows which is a sign that she is ready for her afternoon nap but i am not tired yet onu now that you know please do me a favor don't go about calling him okay none of didi ma's words make sense to me I see she's talking to me with half shut eyes and may nod off any moment. So I decide to put my questions away for another time. I pick up the album, get off the bed, and absent-mindedly leave the room. This is not just a mansion belonging to my uncle by way of inheritance, but is a treasure trove of mysteries. I have forgotten to put the album back in the almira so I think of temporarily storing it on my uncle's bookshelf. As I enter the study adjacent to Didima's bedroom, a strong gust of wind hits my face. I put the album on a side table and look around to see if someone has forgotten the shutter window, but there's none. I'm shocked to discover that this must have originally been an antechamber which got converted into the study, hence the absence of windows to the room. Then from where did that cool breeze blow in? I ask the empty room. A chill runs down my spine and my throat suddenly feels parched. So I do an about turn and run to the kitchen for water. As I'm padding through the passage and down the stairs, I see everybody's retired to their respective rooms for a nap. The housemaid and the cook have also exited the kitchen, perhaps to catch a shut eye too. I suddenly feel a lot more independent like I'm an adult already. I decide to make myself a cup of tea. I'm standing in the kitchen window sipping on my cha, relishing the freedom when I suddenly notice a boy with slouching shoulders standing on the inside of the boundary wall at the extreme left of my view. There isn't another soul in the backyard or on the street beyond the garden wall. The boy is wearing a red shirt which instantly reminds me of him. Onamitro escapes my lips 
I'm staring so hard that I blink. The boy disappears. I put down the teacup and lean forward to scour the entire view from one end of the garden to the other. I spot him again, standing taut as a pole, now at the extreme right-hand corner in the lee of the polash tree, his shirt as fury red as the flowers above. The tall boy looks like he's fading into the tree trunk and in the next moment he's as clear as ever. Is my mind playing tricks on me? Or are you really who I think you are? I find myself saying the name out aloud again. Onomitro? As if in answer to my question, the boy jerks his head and turns to face me. We are now staring right into each other's eyes. I slowly switch windows to get a closer look at his face. His glance follows me, expressionless. It's hot with no breeze whatsoever. But I have begun to shiver from top to toe. Just then the boy raises his hand and waves at me. A perfectly normal friendly gesture. But I remain frozen. I see that he has crouched down on his haunches and begun digging with his bare hands near the foot of the tree. I watch him drop a small bundle into the pit, cover it with earth and straighten back up. By now I'm sure it is Didima's brother. But there's a thick mist building up, enveloping him. The awkwardly tall and lanky boy in the red shirt is speedily turning into a blurry figure, melding into the shadows. I grip the edge of the kitchen counter, my head reeling. I let out a short scream as the figure just disappears into thin air right before my eyes, but there's nobody around to hear me. I'm shaking uncontrollably. But I muster all my strength and rush back to Didima. I give a shriek and rush into her arms as I see she's wide awake and sitting on the edge of her bed. Didima is coaxing and cajoling me to calm down. I take a swig of water from the glass she is holding up for me and breathlessly relate all about my strange experience. I am trembling like a leaf as I narrate. My mother has rushed in at the sound of all my loud and excited babbling. Even in the toughest of situations, my Didima is not the one to get perturbed. She's resilient for her age. As soon as I have finished retelling the incident to my mother, Didima hops off the bed, grabbing me by my arm, tugs me along as she hobbles down on her bow legs to the polash tree as fast as possible. My mother has started digging after I point out the spot under the tree. Atrayo is soon staring at a muddy bundle, which my mother opens up without a moment's delay. Quite a few pieces of heavy vintage yellow gold jewellery glitter in the light of the day after God knows how many years. Itaki! Didima doesn't really mean to ask us what it is. She knows. This is unbelievable. She squeaks sitting down on the ground besides the bundle. This is unmistakably all my mother's jewellery that was supposedly stolen by him. She never forgave Onomitro for running away with her prized possessions. However, he had not made it far. The boat in which he was being ferried across the Hooghly River had supposedly capsized. 
They had found him on the banks dead. So you mean after all these years, his ghost came to give the jewelry back? My mother smirks. On the contrary, Didima says, this means that the stolen jewelry had been stashed here all this while. My mother had described these pieces over and over again. Losing them had been such a great trauma to her. Didima's voice is cracking. My mother is stroking her chin. If he had stolen the jewellery, why would he hide it here and run? Look! Look, isn't that the flap of a torn breast pocket? It's not a plain brown cloth used to wrap the gold. It's a part of a shirt, which may have originally been red. I'm proud of myself for having noticed an important detail. We all exchange glances. Oh my dear Mitroda! Didi Malamins, calling him by the name of endearment she must have used for her elder brother when they were children. So I think someone who used to stay in the house had stolen the jewellery? My mother deduces. Onomitro, or Mama, my uncle must have caught the thief in the act and before he could blow the whistle, he was murdered. My mother's inferences make sense. In a hurry, the real culprit must have wrapped the jewellery in Mama's shirt, hid it here and rushed to dump the body in the hoogly. She adds, But that felon must have never been able to come back either. Otherwise, we would never find this bundle here, I conclude. Have you been trying to tell me this? Have you been trying to tell me this, Mitroda? Didima's eyes are streaming with tears. I had also seen him standing right here many times before Onu, but I had always disregarded it as a figment of my imagination. Didima cries. And since you wouldn't pay attention to him, he chose me to communicate his innocence. You kept calling him, didn't you? Wiping the tears pouring down Didima's face, my mother looks up at me and retorts, Mamar bari bhari mojja. Hey, I hope you like the story. If you like my podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to Stories by Sneha on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on my Instagram handle at T-H-E-A-G-A-T-H-I-S-T. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next Wednesday with a fresh episode on Stories by Sneha. Bye.